Hello and welcome to Local Food Rules, an unabashedly positive take on the Chicago region's local food scene. Brought to you by the Local Food Forum newsletter and soon-to-be website. I'm Bob Benenson, publisher, writer, and editor of Local Food Forum since it launched in April 2021. A long, long time ago, a passion for food was instilled in me. Even during my past 30-year career as a political journalist in Washington, D.C., I was an early adopter of the good food movement, shopping at Whole Foods stores before they were everywhere and at farmer's markets before farmer's markets were cool. In 2011, I decided I'd had enough with politics, and we moved to Chicago, which I'd visited often because my wife, Barb, grew up on a farm just about 50 miles south of where we now live. My goal was to work with and write about people who are working to bring about positive change at a time when a lot of things really seem to be moving in the wrong direction. Fortune smiled, and I've been able to build a second career as an advocate for local farmers, farmers markets, farm-to-table restaurants, co-ops, nonprofit organizations, food justice programs, and entrepreneurs creating better-for-people, better-for-the-planet packaged goods. I worked for a nonprofit called Family Farm for seven years, then left to create Local Food Forum newsletter on Substack. You can find it at localfoodforum.substack.com. I'm also a photographer, and if you're a fellow local food fan, you'll love the pictures. As for the podcast, did I mention that I was a TV and radio major at Michigan State University? Sure, I ended up with a decades-long career in print, but it's never too late to put this radio voice to work. So more than enough about me, let's talk about local food. We happen to be launching this podcast in early May, just as our region's outdoor farmer's market season is really getting rolling. The season was started on April 1st by Green City Market in Chicago's Lincoln Park neighborhood, the city's most prominent farmer's market for years, but there were few takers for April's chilly weather. Then May hit, and it was like flipping a switch. By mid-month, most of the longtime pillars of our area's farmer's market culture will be open. Along with Green City, Logan Square, Evanston, the Daily Plaza City Market in the Loop, the Lincoln Park Farmers Market, not to be confused with Green City Market, Wicker Park, 61st Street, Andersonville, Lincoln Square. To get the full schedule, check out the Monday, May 8th issue of Local Food Forum at localfoodforum.substack.com. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to know what produce is in season. Now that there are markets opening in April, the first plant to market is the ramp. This wild growing veg is known alternatively as wild onion or wild garlic. Did you also know that it gave Chicago its name? The plant grew profusely in what later became one of the world's biggest cities, and the local American Indian tribes called it Chicago which translates either to wild onion or stinky onion. I prefer the latter because while I love Chicago, I think the idea of living in a place named after a stinky onion is pretty funny. Ramps don't have a long season, so if you want to get some, they can be used any way you use onions or garlic, you should get to a farmer's market soon. Asparagus is the first major cultivated crop in our area's market. I long considered its arrival at the market stand of Michigan's McClue Farm as a true sign that it is really spring. 
We in the city benefit from our proximity to the fields of Western Michigan. In fact, Michigan, several years ago, surpassed California as the nation's leading asparagus-producing state. Asparagus is touchy about temperature. It hates heat, but it doesn't like it too cold. It's kind of like the Goldilocks of vegetables. And the rather wild temperature gyrations this early spring have the plants a little bit rattled. Nonetheless, it looks like we're settling into a pattern of seasonable temperatures, so maybe we'll have a long asparagus season after all. Other early crops are starting to filter in. Rhubarb, for instance. Can strawberries be far behind? Spring onions, including some ginormous stalks I saw at the stand of Indiana's Iron Creek Organic Farm at Green City and Wicker Park Markets the first week in May. There has also been a positive development over the last few years as the result of increased amount of growing that occurs undercover in hoop houses and hothouses. There are lots of greens, such as lettuce and kale, overwintered vegetables such as carrots, truly tasty heirloom hothouse tomatoes, and some root vegetable varieties that until recently you'd only see in the late summer or fall. I love this, but it also resulted in my being root spoofed at those weekend markets. One of the items on my list were radishes. They complement salads, and we've been eating those a lot with all that locally grown lettuce that's now available. Radishes are in short supply this early season, though, so I got excited when I spotted a pile of red root vegetables at the Jacobson Family Farm Stand at Green City Market in Lincoln Park. Now, there were a couple of signs that these might not be what I thought they were. The roots were on the big side, though I've seen bigger radishes, and they were crowned with a bunch of huge greens, way bigger than any radish leaves I'd ever seen. Yet the radish force was strong with this one. So I bought them, took them home, cut into one of the roots, and discovered these weren't radishes at all. Instead, there were baby Kyogia beets with their distinctive candy striping. They're really beautiful. And if you want a visual, look for the Sunday, May 7th issue of Local Food Forum at localfoodforum.substack.com. It's nice when your mistakes turn out this well. These beets are incredibly sweet, served raw at least. Hooray for happy accidents. But that's not the end of the beet beet. I ran into Jacobson Family Farms on Sunday at Worker Park Farmer's Market. There were roots of several colors, including those tricky Kiyogia beets. I guess that the white roots on the table were Hakurai turnips, which happen to be the only turnips that taste good raw. I took them up to check out, and alas, was informed that once again I was not square with my roots. They were, in fact, white beets. When I got them home, I again quickly prepped a big bunch of greens, as I did with Saturday's purchase, and sautéed them in olive oil with a couple of chopped green garlic stalks, and I'll have side dishes for a week. Now cue the local food home economics lesson. One of the biggest challenges that farmers markets face is the exaggerated impression that they are expensive to shop at. Yes, when you're buying super fresh, healthy, delicious, sustainably produced local food, there may be a bit of a premium, but there are ways to stretch your farmer's market dollars. And one of these is to buy root vegetables with their greens attached whenever possible. The greens are delicious and super nutritious. So when you eat the roots and eat the greens, it's like getting two vegetables for the price of one. They are also really easy to prepare. With the beet greens, I sauteed them in a splash of olive oil with a couple of green garlic stalks from Illinois' Three Sisters Garden. Et voila, a side dish that should last for most of the week. Am I what I was before or what I became? 
I got a box full of worries and a case of regrets. Let's circle back to Wicker Park because it underscores the important role that food can play in the economic health of urban communities. The opening day of the market there drew the kind of big crowds that have become standard among virtually all Chicago's big established markets. The market is located within the actual Wicker Park, just south of the neighborhood's hub, where North, Milwaukee, and Damon Avenues meet. And the market's relatively upscale clientele is unsurprising in a north side community that has evolved over recent decades into one of Chicago's most lively restaurant and shopping hubs. This would perplex a time traveler from the mid-20th century. It was a place made famous, or perhaps infamous, by Nelson Algren, author of books such as The Man with the Golden Arm and A Walk on the Wild Side, that portrayed Wicker Park as populated by junkies, prostitutes, and other rough traders. Algren wrote in the 1940s and 1950s mainly about Polish Americans, then the predominant ethnic group. Later, as demographics changed, gang violence became a burden in Wicker Park. It was not until the 1980s that artists started gravitating to the community, about three and a half miles northwest of downtown Chicago, signaling the beginning of an economic renaissance. And with the popularity of its farmer's market, Wicker Park has come a long way from the man with the golden arm to the farms with the golden beets. Also, a shout out to Chicago City Markets. It's run by the City of Chicago's Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, or DCASE. I visited the Division Street City Market at the edge of downtown Chicago for its season opener last Saturday, and had the pleasure of chatting with Yesenia Mota, director of DCASE's Special Events and Permits. Yesenia is a great friend of Local Food Forum, and she has managed the Chicago City Markets program for a remarkable 21 years. Daily Plaza's City Farmer's Market, held Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., is the flagship of the Chicago City Markets, holding forth in the heart of Chicago's downtown for more than four decades. It is one of the few markets anywhere that surrounds a major piece of artwork, the huge abstract metal sculpture by Pablo Picasso that was unveiled in 1967. The Farmer at the Green is the brand new farmer's market presented by BMO Bank. It opened on May 2nd in the lovely park adjacent to BMO's 50-story, two-year-old office tower in Chicago's West Loop neighborhood. There are several unique touches for this new entry in our region's busy farmer's market scene. First, the park in which it operates on Tuesdays from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. through October brings some much-needed green space to the heavily developed area a block away from Union Station. The park's formal name is The Green at 320, referring to its address at 320 South Canal Street. Next, if the mood strikes, shoppers can step inside the BMO building to dine or drink at the Canal Street Eatery and Market, or After Bar. And in an extreme rarity for our area's farmers markets, attendees will be able to purchase adult beverages in non-glass containers to enjoy while browsing the market. But what makes this market one of a kind, as far as I've experienced, is something I discovered while circumnavigating the market. The Farmer at the Green is the only farmer's market I've ever attended that has a foosball table. Oh, and a ping pong table. There is also a basket of blankets for those who want to picnic or bask on the lawn. It's easy to see the market's potential as a warm weather gathering spot. With the market, the park-like setting, musicians scheduled to perform live, the restaurant and bar patios beckoning people to linger, and a commuter-friendly location 
so near Union Station and Ogilvy Transportation Center, not to mention those foosball and ping pong tables, I'll venture a prediction that the farmer at the green will emerge as a lively scene. To get the full schedule, check out the Equal Food Forum at localfoodforum.substack.com. I had the pleasure on Monday, May 9th, of attending the launch party of Stock, a new food journal co-created by Ed Marshevsky, craft brewery, restaurant, and bar owner, and the greatest advocate the Chicago community of Bridgeport could have, and Erin Drain, a communications consultant and project manager for businesses, nonprofits, and community organizations with lots of experience in food and beverage. The event was held at Mars Community Brewing, 3630 South Iron Street, which Ed owns. The publication is lovely and filled with stories and interview Q&A of interest to those of us in the local food community. There are articles by or about Jonathan Zaragoza, a renowned chef of Mexican food, his Birriera Zaragoza on the city's west side catered pre-ordered meals for Monday's event, Abra Birens, chef at Michigan's Granor Farm, and author of her recently published third cookbook, Pulp, about cooking with fruit. Vera Videnovich, who farms in Michigan and grows crops associated with her family roots in Serbia, and the married couple of Sebastian Vargo and Taylor Hanna, who are on-site selling their Vargo Brother ferment products. I bought a jar of sour pickles, which may just be one of my favorite food groups. To buy a copy of stock, go to the local food forum page, localfoodforum.substack.com, click on the May 9th issue, and scroll to find a link to the e-commerce site. I was there on Monday in part to repay a big favor that goes back more than a decade. The first articles that I wrote after I moved to Chicago and changed careers were about craft beer. Ed was running a craft beer bar, back when there weren't so many of them, out of his mother's Maria's Packaged Goods and Community Bar in Bridgeport. I was starting up a craft beer journal called Mash Tun. I wrote a couple of stories for Mash Tun, which helped me greatly in establishing my credentials as a food and beverage writer. I'm pleased to say that Stock has the same mix of eclectic, entertaining, thought-provoking articles that made writing for Mashton a special experience. Since I met Ed, this dynamic human has created Kimski, a Polish-Korean restaurant that reflects his family's ethnicities, Mars Community Brewing on the south side, and its satellite, Life on Mars Community Club on the north side at 1950 Northwestern Avenue, and Public Media Institute, which publishes Stock, runs an alternative radio outlet called Lumpen and is engaged in Buddy, a store in the downtown Chicago Cultural Center featuring locally made products, and the Co-Prosperity Sphere Art Center in Bridgeport. I'd enjoyed Mars beers around town for years, but this was my first visit to the brewery. Their bar has a very lengthy list of Mars beers on tap and in cans or bottles. One of them carries a name, Bubbly Creek, which is an amazing local inside joke. Creek is a cherry-infused sour beer of Belgian origin. Mars's version is a black Berliner Weiss. The beer also references Bubbly Creek, the name applied to a section of the south branch of the Chicago River that was horrendously polluted with offal during the heydays of the city's stockyards. The stockyards closed more than 50 years ago, and the river is all the better for it. Finally, for this week, I want to introduce Ben Herrera, the producer of Local Food Rules, who is launching his own local food business. 
It's called Gardmo, and it's a cottage food business, meaning he operates it out of his home. That is a new wrinkle on the community-supported agriculture CSA concept. Ben describes Gardmo as a CSA club that aims to add a major element of convenience for its local food-loving subscribers. He is partnering with the CSA run by Nichols Farm and Orchard, the region's biggest diversified produce farm, located in Marengo, Illinois. Ben is providing the extra step of taking Nichols produce and cleaning, prepping, and packing it for pickup or delivery to Gardmo's CSA customers. Here's how Gardmo presents the concept. Join the CSA club. Gardmo is a cottage food kitchen with the mission of making eating local food easier, and we couldn't be more excited to introduce the pilot program of our CSA club. This season, we'll be following along with Nichols Farm CSA. By joining the CSA club, you will get all of the same produce from Nichols, but cleaned, prepped, and packed by Gardmo, sort of like a prep cook would do in the kitchen. This way, all the veggies are ready for you to cook with as soon as you get home. Shares are every other week with free pickup available or delivery for select Chicago zip code. Check out Gardmo at Gardmo.com and follow their Instagram at Gard.mo. That's it for this first episode of Local Food Rules by Local Food Forum. Please visit localfoodforum.substack.com to check out the newsletter and you'll find lots of other interesting things going on in our local food ecosystem. And please consider subscribing. There are free and paid subscriptions. Thanks again to Ben Herrera for producing this podcast and to Gary Calamar, a lifetime friend and true music genius for sharing his tune for our theme music. Now get out there, buy some delicious, nutritious, sustainably and humanely produced food and help our local farmers make a living. Music